Video check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. And I'm stuck. He's making cut with his Odyssey. I'm gusset. I'm absolutely gusset. I enjoyed this so much. Thank you. Thank you. Alright everybody, welcome on in. It's another edition of Mode Push, an American view of F1, our F1 podcast where we take a little bit of an American side of these things as you get into the sport of F1. Dan Jimenez across the ether from myself. I'm Alex Keery. Thanks for being with us on the program. Dan, of course, uh, has a background in race and race engineering, having worked from the uh, on the Ford race team at one point in his life. And then he shunned that life and became uh, just like the rest of us, just getting a paycheck and then just treating That's F1 right. like it was his hobby, which is the way we do it, right? This is my hobby. This is your hobby. Here we are. It's it's funner this way. When it was part of my job and like my year-end bonus depended on our <laughs> average race finish, it was a lot more stressful to watch racing. And now, now it's just for fun. Uh, you know what? We should tie up some sort of a bonus into this, you know, just like how many <laughs> words you can, you can shoehorn into a podcast, whatever we've, we've got so much to talk about that doesn't have to do with actual races that are upcoming. Uh, although a little bit, some of the news things that have happened in the world of F1, but we're waiting for, you know, Baku, which is, oh my goodness, what, th- another three weeks away, another two and a half weeks away, Dan. Yeah. Two and a half. Oh yeah. We're crossing the, the thirsty desert of the spring break. Darn you, China. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm probably not the first person to say that today and not even about racing, just like, uh, the random yelling into the air about China. <laughs> and here we are upset because China, uh, gets rid of their, gets rid of their race or F1 gets rid of the race for them. And then, uh, here we are having to wait through, like you said, basically a, a false start to, uh, the, the summer season. We're going to jump into some stuff here before we get into our Logan Sergeant deep dive. The first American driver in a long time for uh, for the U.S. to be actually on the grid, and there's that part of you too. I was, you know, I was reading something this week about how these drivers get into the sport, and it was kind of this age old question. They were asking the question about Aston Martin's uh, uh, Lance Stroll, right? And Lawrence mm-hmm. Stroll, his dad, who owns the team, uh, who purchased it, I think, while it was still Racing Point or whatever it was, and. And everybody's always asking, is is Lance Stroll good enough? Would he be good enough? If his dad were not the owner of the team, if his dad wasn't involved in the, you know, to basically be what uh, Nicholas Latifi was over the past two seasons, which is just a pay driver, right? Like full on, they yeah. just say this guy was, was getting a seat in racing because his dad paid all this money for them to be sponsors of the team. So the question was, would Lance Stroll be good enough if his dad weren't running the team? Yeah, I think that he wouldn't have been good enough to have gotten his to have gotten that seat originally, but he has since, you know, gotten the experience and used it to his advantage to actually now be, I think, a, a Formula One quality level driver. And so, it's a bit of a, of, you know, uh, a question of okay, because his dad is the owner. I think that shines more of a spotlight onto Lance. Sure, but like all these other guys except for like some very a few rare exceptions, all these guys have really rich dads who paid their way through karting and all the junior series uh, to get to F1. So I like, is the, I don't really see a huge difference between 
those guys and Lance, even though like Lance's dad owns the team. So, okay, that got him the seat originally. Right. But I think that Lance has shown that he can race. And uh, now, you know, we'll see how this season plays out where he's in good equipment versus a two-time world champion as his teammate. You know, I, I think he he does need to show a, a lot more performance this year than he ever has before. Well, even like last year, maybe the year before, people are like, okay, you know, you're not really performing here, man. Like, and there were some times where, you know, he get tangled up with guys and you're going, this dude's on the on the grid and you can't have him out there messing around. But the equipment that he's in this year, on top of the fact that I think that he's gotten through a lot of those kind of mature, you know, these moments where he has to become a little bit more mature in the race car is quite, it's been huge for him. And I think that the the biggest story for him that has happened in his entire career was breaking those wrists, right? In that in the uh, yeah in the mountain biking uh, accident earlier this year, he does that, and what ends up happening? He goes, "I'm coming back, and I'm going to race," and he even has a decent go at it. And everybody went, "Dude, I like this guy." So I think that at the very least, perception is reality because people kind of look at him now and go, "All right, he's a pretty darn good racer." And you've got he and Fernando Alonso who are now you know, uh, in, in a solid second place behind Red Bull, uh, and in the, in the constructors fight. And so, and he's up there and he's getting points. I think I'm, I'm looking at him as the, let me see what his actual points are. He scored 20 points already this year and he's in sixth place tied. Actually he's tied for fifth with, uh, with Carlos Sainz. That's as good as you can ask for, especially when you had early retirement or injuries or whatever. So, so far so good for, uh, for the Aston Martin team. And, and really, I think you can kind of start to put behind you those thoughts that Lance doesn't belong anymore. That was my thought kind of going into this was, yeah, you know what? He does belong at the very, at the, like, what other driver are they going to put in here? Would Checo have the same results? Would, uh, you know, would Valtteri Bottas have better results in that Aston Martin? You might be able to argue that yes, but on the other hand, it's not like he's uh, putting it into the wall every time. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see yeah. how that, that rolls out here. But I'm interested in what you just brought up, though, about, the money that gets spent for these guys to develop, you know, it's one thing that you get, we get grumpy about complaining about paying for our kids club baseball because we think they're going to be a major league baseball player. And you're like, I had to pay X amount of dollars for them to be on this club team. That is no match for the world's most rich sport. Maybe save polo. I actually was going across ESPN Ocho, you know, the Ocho, and there was like some polo on and I was going, dude, what is going on here? I go, and you know what I thought because of my experience with F1, I was like, I can't watch this. Otherwise I'll start watching this on the weekends now. So, um, <laughs> how does somebody get into like the traditional track of not being your dad owning the team to get into driving? And how much does it cost? Did you find out? Oh boy. Yeah. Well, let's add it up starting. And I think Logan Sargent's career is like a very typical path for the, you know, common F1 driver. So Logan started, uh, in carts when he was eight and the average season to run carts professionally in the U.S. or over in the U.K. is like 200 grand a season. So, if you want to be competitive, it's about 150 to 200 thousand dollars. So, if he ran, pay, what carts, does that pay for? I'm trying like the the room and board, <laughs> you know, transportation, uh, okay. tires, fuel, uh, equipment, Jeez. all I mean, all that stuff. Yeah, you could go through a lot of stuff in just the expendables. Okay. Uh, so like 150 to 200 K to do karting and he, uh, raced it in the U S from eight till 12. And then when he was 12, he started racing card, uh, carts in the UK, uh, all the way up to the FIA karting world championship. And when he was in the U S eight to 12, he like won every major U S karting, uh, 
championship that there is. Is there like a, the UK? Is, is there a robust karting kind of circuit here in the US? Then I mean, is it like? I mean, I guess I've just never. It's like aside. Yeah, from, mostly. What, what is mo- that? Mostly on the East Coast. Yeah, right. And there's a it's like there's a place here in in Utah that K1 racing, but I think they're still electric. But it's carts, and my kids are like always yeah. trying to go. But like, I don't know where these kids would pick up and keep racing. Yeah, yeah. No, here locally in Utah, there's not really uh, uh, a, a way to do that. But California, and then all over the East Coast and the Southeast, there's lots of um, larger karting tracks, and these guys travel. You know, they they have full on semi haulers with their cart chassis and all their support equipment, and they're jumping in there and driving with mom and dad from race to race. And, you know, graduating with their GED or whatever, not really going to school and discarding, you know. Uh, so I when I lived in North Carolina, we had uh, like it's called the GoPro Motorplex now, but it was like a professional karting track that uh, they built out there. And you'd go to it on a Friday or Saturday uh, or on a weekend. And there's 20, 30 haulers just all lined up from these families that travel all over the U.S. and just make it their life to try and get their kid into professional racing. It's crazy. So when a guy like Logan Sargent goes off to, you know, the version of, uh, of, of F1 military school, like when he's a kid, he goes off into like <laughs> a, the, the karting boarding school. Like where are the big places to race in Europe? Is it just really one? I would imagine that there would be levels of, of karting and ages of karting because, you know, all of us who've kind of recently, semi-recently gotten into the sport of F1 racing – you know, you go through a race weekend and, and you know, the over-under on how many pictures you're, they're going to show from the karting days when these guys were racing against one another, you know, your Georges and your and your Charles Leclerc's and, and your Landos, mm-hmm. all when they're very young. And that wasn't that long ago, by the way. But they were all racing each other on these circuits. And so is it all the same circuit? Is it uh, a handful of different circuits? Is there like a, uh, a UK versus, you know, uh, other parts of Europe? Is there an Italian strip of it like that they run out of Mugello? I don't know. What's the what's the best route to get yourself into, and how do you even get noticed? Uh, getting yeah, into they have real life they have different series, so there'll be a series that's you know more based in the UK, you know, uh, and then EU will have their own series, and then some will travel in between. Uh, and yeah, you're right. Like uh, of the current F1 grid, Leclerc, Albon, Alonso, and Max all won the FIA Karting World Championship at some point, mm. and then Logan Sargent won it when he was 15. And that was like his big moment of like, okay, this, this kid's the real deal. Uh, an American had not won the world karting championship since 1978. And that was a guy by the name of Lake speed, which is just a fantastic <laughs> racer's name. That's Scott speed's dad. I was going to say, interestingly yeah, enough. cause like Scott speed, we know about because he was also a guy who had an F1 seat for a hot second there. Yeah. Yeah. So Logan wins the world championship at 15 and now it's time to move on to cars. So that's when he, uh, when he was 16, he started racing Formula Four uh, out of the United Arab Emirates. And then when he was 17, he moved to British Formula Four. And he was actually Oscar Piastri's teammate back uh, in his F4 days. And to run an F4, that to run a full season in F4 is half a million dollars. <laughs> so oh now my. you've gone from a, a $1.6 to $2 million karting career to half a million a season per year and he yeah. ran and he runs. Yeah. Uh, and he runs two seasons in F four and then he moves when he's 18, he moves to formula Renault. Uh, and he won his first race in formula Renault and finished second in the championship, three poles, two wins. And so like he was racking up 
wins and polls and gaining attention, but like w- to go from formula four to F three to F two is only a, really a question of money. Like you could win every race in F three, but you're not going to get a ride in F two unless you pony up the money. Well, and I'm, right? I've, I've always been like under the impression. I mean, I barely watch any, I'll be lucky if I catch five minutes of an F two race on accident, you know, uh, but what would like the what would Formula Four be in terms of a comparison? I guess I always look at it like what would like you know your triple A, double A, single A, and then rookie. Maybe you're like your rookie wood bat league, but those guys are adults, and so I, I guess it's not a good comparison to go to like a minor league scale or even college football or even like high school. I mean, what, what are we talking in terms of like a talent level? Like, what is Formula F four or what is a what's Formula Four? You know, British Formula Four, what is that like on the scale of like where it is in comparison to that pinnacle of the sport, which is F1? Yeah. So it goes Formula Four, Formula Three, Formula Two, Formula One. And the as you uh, get into the higher divisions, the cars get bigger, they get more powerful, you have more races, um, uh, and obviously the talent level goes up as well. And so uh, you know, formula four is just that first step out of karting and, you know, these kids are 15 or 16 years old. Uh, and so it's, you know, it's competitive, but, uh, you know, uh, Logan Sargent does pretty well finishes in the top five, like 77% of his races. Um, and, uh, so when he moves to F3, when he's 19, um, this, so this was 2019, that's a million dollars a season to run. And he ends up running three seasons oh of F3, 20, 2019, 2020, So now you're 3 million in on top of uh, another million of like F4 and Formula Renault on top of 2 but that, million. But that's a team, but that's a team picking up like the tab for him though, right? At some point, like that's not like the Sargent family is now $8 million in the hole trying to get their kid going to, F, going to uh, Formula One. Or are we? What are we talking about here? No, this is all Sargent family money so oh, far. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, so we're like four to $6 million in from Sargent family money. And so all the little bit of research I did on this, Logan Sargent's uncle is like the rich one. He's the billionaire <laughs> oil type. Ty- oh, he is. So um, there is that. There is that. That's not like a, uh, okay. So it is real. Yeah. Yeah. Sargent money, uh, Sargent could, money is real money. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yes. So, um, so, so far, like uncle daddy Warbucks Sargent is, <laughs> is, uh, is, is, putting the bill for all this. So he goes to F3 when he's 19. Um, He doesn't do super well in his first season. He only scores five points. He's a good qualifier, but his race consistency isn't very good. In 2020, he's uh, paired up again with Oscar Piastri as his teammate. Um, And he would consistently out-qualify Oscar Piastri, but then like Piastri would have the better like racing. And going into the last race of the F3 championship in 2020, they were actually tied for the championship and Logan got punted by somebody else. And so Piastri ends up winning the, the 2020 championship and Logan barely misses out, uh, which I didn't know that he was that close to the F3 championship uh, that year, because you always hear the story that like uh, Piastri won every uh, junior division championship, like in his first year, he just was like, boom, 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 champion, champion, champion. So that's why there's like so much buzz around Piastri right. coming into the sport, but right. he barely, barely only beat out Logan Sargent in 2020. So and But the real, the talent is there. Cause I think a lot of people still look and they go, well, you know why they wanted an American on the grid It's because of Liberty media. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I would say that like through all the kind of research I was doing, like the talent was there. He performed at every single level and, you know, starting from being the first American and 
how many, like 35 years or something like that to win the karting championship. So no, he's undoubtedly talented, but also uh, you have to pair the talent with the money in order to succeed in this sport. So yeah. So he, uh, after 2020, he's like on a talent basis, ready to go to F2, but that's when like the money just kind of dried out. And he, uh, cause it's $3 million to run a season in F2. <laughs> and that's when un- uncle, uh, Sergeant said, you're on your own son. Wow. So he had to race it or you, you have to, you, you know, you have to find a sponsor. Well, that's when you start seeing, like, like I told you, you have teams that look like semi-recognizable. Like in my mind, I was like, when I first started watching all these teams, you're going, okay, so there's a Williams F2 team, right? Like there's a Williams yeah. F3 team. But the reality is, is it might have like a little tiny Williams name next to it. And then it's like. A totally different sponsor, right? Like, you just have the weirdest yeah. names. It'll be, like, just a guy's name on this F2 team, and it is. It's just a guy who says, I'm going to hitch my wagon to this guy, and it's an investment, and hopefully it works out. Yeah. Yeah, so that's exactly what happens to Logan Sargent. So in 2021, he uh, does another season of F3, and he's starting to win. He's winning, but he's, like, actually with, like, a less um, uh, kind of, like, a worse team than he was in the prior seasons. Hmm. So Williams, that's when they kind of take notice of like, hey, this guy's actually doing pretty well and not awesome equipment. And so that's when they sign him to the like Williams F1 Driver Academy. And then they sponsor him for his jump to to F2. So it, yes, like in F2, that's when you start like, okay, you know, you're sponsored, you're getting paid to be in right. there. It's worth um, it for these big teams to go, hey, we've got to get some talent. And it's usually from the F2 world or F3. And if we're going to do it, it's worth development dollars for us to find out if these guys are going to be making, you know, tens of millions of dollars for us in the future. Right. Yep. And so they stick him towards the end of 2021. They put him in uh, an F2, like a single F2 race and he beat his teammate by like two seconds a lap. He was just like (laughs) way faster. So then they promote him to F2 in 2022. Um, He's not having to pay the $3 million a season uh, out of his pocket, but he wins at Silverstone and he becomes the first American driver ever to win F2, an F2 race, which I thought was interesting. And, uh, you know, as we talked about last year is he needed to finish in the top six in the championship to have enough super license points to be able to race in F1. And he ended ended up finishing fourth and then kind of the rest is history. And now we have, uh, you know, Logan and F1 that we know today. So, Logan now gets into his F1 debut. He finished it, by the way, his first race, P12. Where has he been at this year? Because uh, it's been a mixed bag, but I I certainly don't look at him and go, boy, this guy is as incompetent as it comes. Is the talent level there for him to be able to develop into somebody like – and I do think it's great that he has Alex Albon, who is a veteran driver and a really quick racer as well. Yeah. I think you compare it to who was Albon's teammate last year, Latifi. He's much faster than Latifi, right? Uh, he, I think, has uh, he had his kind of qualifying snafu in uh, Saudi Arabia that I, you know, if he hadn't gotten that uh, time deleted, I think he would have had a top ten, top fifteen starting place at least. Uh, and so I think we just, you know, three races in, uh, he's showing that he belongs on the grid. And I think can keep pace with Alex and hopefully I think what, what's the ceiling for him? Uh, you know, time will tell, but I think that he can move his way up out of Williams into a, you know, a faster mid uh, midfield team and, you know, hopefully be the first American driver to score points since like, 
uh, I think we did Michael Andretti score points because Scott Speed and Alexander Rossi definitely didn't. So I mean, yeah, the I was, last three I actually F1 was drivers. Looking, I was looking exactly at that one. The last time there was some actual American points scored in F one officially, and I can't, I can't. I mean, it's yeah. So the, I mean, the, to give uh, the you know our listeners a little bit of like uh, a kind of view of the history. 2015, Alexander Rossi doesn't score any points. 2007, Scott Speed, single season in Red Bull, or Toro Rosso, uh, the junior team, doesn't uh, score any points. Michael Andretti, 1993. So uh, that's 30 years, three drivers that had three single season stints <laughs> uh, and not really much to say of it. So, wow. Um, but that's like coming from like we, there were decades before when we had Americans that were, you know, uh, more common and you know higher performing in f1 so there's history there but uh yeah i don't know i think uh, he's he's the chosen one i think that he uh, is our best shot uh at an american uh points finish in f1 in you know 30 years uh here was a well, just a little interview after he got off of the track at albert park uh the australian grand prix just uh our our last race that he had uh, and the third one of his young F1 career. Here was Logan Sargent after the Australian Grand Prix. Hey, Logan. Uh, tricky, that final restart for everybody. Um, what was happening as you were flying down to turn one for you? Yeah, the last restart was was pretty weird. I, I felt like you know I braked where I did on the, the previous two starts, but um, just seemed like nothing was up to temperatures, brakes, tires, uh, hit the pedal, and it was immediate, both fronts locked, and... Uh, there was nothing I could do from there. So sorry to Nick. I didn't want to end the day like that. It was a tough enough day as it was. And, uh, yeah, it was disappointing to end like that. Yeah, how tough was that afternoon overall, really? Yeah, you know, I think when we were on the right tire, which was the hard tire, uh, we actually had pretty good pace there. And um, I felt like we were in a good place. Car was in a good spot. But uh, we, tried to, we tried to restart the first from the first red flag on, on the mediums. And, just wasn't the tire to be on. Uh, just a lot of graining fell away really quickly, and um, that was really the end of our race, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I felt like once we got on the right tire, we were good. There you go, Logan Sargent, the American on yeah. the grid in F1. I have I have high hopes for this guy. You know, I think about guy. You think about when people get into the car, and it's a, it's amazing to me, Dan, how quickly that they go. Yeah, this guy's got it, or this guy doesn't. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so, so far with him, I think people recognize his talent. Maybe it's because I don't really see what everybody else does, but we're very quick to say guys aren't good enough and they have to show some things. You know, I think there, there are guys who are on the grid now. It's weird to think that Yuki Tsunoda is in his third season now, right, in, in F1, mm-hmm. and that he's been uh, this year. People are like, wow, Yuki is really turning a corner here. And he scored one point in the last race, but he's just been – He's been a lot – he's grown up more, I guess, is, is what it is. He changed some off-season stuff. And so guys like Logan Sargent, I think if they have the talent there, and obviously he has the progeny of uh, paying – what did the total number end up being? Did you end up getting a total on the <laughs> – on what it's, it's somewhere around $6 million bucks yeah. plus. You know what? If only all of our parents loved us that much, we could all be in F1 right now, Dan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just, oh, hey, Dad, it's I'm going to need $6 million from you. And then I love that at one point that he still hadn't even gotten to the to the to the uh, to the game yet, and hadn't still hadn't gotten to the big show yet, and his uncle's still like, "Yeah, I'm not paying that. that that's insane." I'm <laughs> like, yeah. "I'm a billionaire, and that's insane. I'm not paying three million dollars a year." But it just shows how ridiculous it, it ridiculously competitive. What's tough is is that you may have more talented people out there with the potential to be better racers across the board. But there's no version of them, you know, being a little league baseball player and some scout seeing them and going. 
you kid, I'm going to bring you up through the ranks. But I guess that's why guys like Esteban Ocon and uh, and even Lewis Hamilton, who came from you know relative non-billionaire status to uh, to yeah. the to the seat there in F1, makes it even more impressive. Yeah, it's super impressive. Uh, it, I mean, I think that's the story that we as Americans really love, just like the underdog story. Uh, and I think you know we would love the uh, the hype behind somebody who really kind of came up just totally based on merit, because I think that's how we think about a lot of other sports and all of like our great athletes, but it, if just auto racing is such a different animal, you have to have the talent. And unfortunately you have to have the money to make it work. And so I don't hold it against Logan. The fact that he comes from a rich family yeah, because it's just the standard, I think in that sport. And, um, it's the only and unfortunately I'm sure there's a lot of other sports that are probably leaning towards that too. Like you hear all the complaints about professional soccer in the U S and you have to you have to come up through all that expensive club play to be able to, you know, make it. Sure. It's uh, it's not uh, an issue entirely, you know, uh, just uh, on on auto racing and F1, but I think it's where it's on display most prominently. How do you watch these F1 races, Dan? Do you uh, do you time watch them? I guess it depends on where they're being shown across the world. I only ask because I have an F1. I think I got roped into the FTV, the F1 TV Pro package, just so I could be able to kind of go back and watch things at my leisure. Uh, that's an expensive little go, though, if you want to buy it from them directly. ESPN plays them. Either you watch it live or you have to watch it later. But F1 this week announced a multi-year deal with Paramount+. Plus, So that's another way, another subscription service that I guess people could get it here in the U.S. But uh, I don't I don't know a lot of people who have an F1 TV Pro uh, subscription. Maybe I'm an insane person for doing it, but I just like the ability to be able to go back and to see everything that I can. Yeah. I, I have, uh, you know, whatever, a direct TV stream because I want to get my Utah Jazz games and sure. they have the channel. But, you know, obviously that comes with ESPN. And so I always watch it uh, recorded sometime on Sunday when I'm comfortable and no distractions. And I rarely wake up early to watch, you know, a race live. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I think that uh, the F1 um subscription the f1 tv subscription is cool because you can dial into the onboard camera with any particular driver so if you're a super fan of one team or one driver you can watch them there's these cool add-ons uh, and plugins online where you can watch like every single driver at the same time and see all the like live right. telemetry like it can get you, you can get like a in a pretty insane setup i've seen on videos on on tiktok with people with like 20 screens it's it's crazy um, so I think that's cool. I, I, I think that compared to a lot of other professional sports or leagues that like F1's done a really good job. I think Liberty media is, you know, the force behind it, but I think they've done a really good job with, uh, kind of just making their content more consumable and available than in the Bernie Ecclestone era. Uh, it was a lot harder. I think they kind of held on to all their assets a lot more than what Liberty media is doing now. Well, thank heavens. A guy like Logan Sargent can show, other billionaire kids across the U.S. that they too can get started. There's that, maybe there's a three-year-old right now <laughs> whose billionaire uncle Dan is <laughs> is getting ready to start them down a path of uh, super expensive racing uh, to maybe be on the grid one day in the next fifteen years. So I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, how great Baron <laughs> Trump! If Baron Trump yeah. just like had gotten into karting, like and. And he was on his way to be a, an F one driver. That would have been great. Could you imagine? And just like the. He would be he would be our uh he would be our uh Nikita Mazepin, right? <laughs> <be> exactly. Like, <laughs> it'd be like a yeah, there's a lot of baggage with this kid. I don't 
have anything against him personally, but man, there's a lot of baggage <laughs> with this kid, and you could see that drive ending uh, super, super quickly as well. Well, I mean, it's an education. I guess we all got to know the American driver now, and so he's uh, the only one on the grid now. Dan, I love the breakdowns, man. This is always what this is what we do the show for, right? Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was uh, interesting to learn all, like especially on the cost side of things. It's, I had never really dug into it, and. It's as expensive as I imagined. Uh, it's more. I thought it was going to be more. Like I, I would never have imagined that somebody would be asked to pay two hundred thousand dollars a year as a kid to be able to participate at that level. So, I mean, I guess in the end, <laughs> I just don't know anybody who would be able to to afford any of that. There's not. There's no version. Not of my that. circle of friends. No, well, not, no. And like, there's not even. There's no version of that even in like. I, I don't know. Periodically, you'll, you'll have guys who are are their parents are super loaded, but that will never afford you the opportunity to play on an NFL football team. No one cares, right? right? They're like, you have to just be the best player. No one cares. And so, I think Aiden Hutchinson. Remember the defensive end from uh, from Michigan? He went to went to Michigan, and then now he's at the Detroit Lions. He's like the second or third overall pick, and he's legit. Obviously, you can't be a second or third overall pick and not be any good. Mm-hmm. But his dad. Also played in college and is like a, you know, worth a hundred million dollars is like a like a so he runs like some group of orthopedic surgery centers or something like that and people are like look at this guy's pool you know and it's like that's as, <laughs> that's as much of a comparison I guess that we have uh, here in the U.S. for a, a guy like him but uh, but again if you don't perform there's no version of a paid middle linebacker uh, for for an NFL team you just have to you just have to perform and do it so another right. another uh, signature Dan Jimenez breakdown. Uh, and another show in the books here. Dan, we'll be back again next week, though. We'll do some engineering stuff. We'll break into some more history of F1, but also get people ready for the rest of the season, what's going to happen. I've got some Max Verstappen uh, interviews that I don't think people want to miss either because he's uh, kind of given up a little bit of what his secret sauce has been to his real-life racing, and that is his sim racing, uh, how much that's helped him in the uh, process here. So, Dan, we'll talk to you next week, man. Thanks for hanging out. Looking forward to it. All right, there you go. Dan Jimenez, Alex Curie. Mode push. Download it. Share it. Tell your friends. Teach a neighbor about F1. Maybe uh, invite them over to your house at 4 a.m. for a race, huh? Maybe offer them $200,000 to get your kid going racing as well. So for Dan and Alex, we'll talk to you next time, everybody.